Hey, this is Neil Parks, and on this episode of Paranormally Speaking for this week, I'll be covering Area 51, Terrifying Trucker Tales, The Subterranean Lizard People of California, Signs of Alien Life in Antarctica, Alien-Human Hybrids and Russia's Lake Baikal, and there seems to be a shortage on exorcists. Apparently, we are being overrun by demons possessing people. More of that to follow. Thank you for joining me on Paranormally Speaking. I'll be right back. Monster.fandom.com That's monster.fandom.com There are lizard people literally crawling out of every crevice. Or so some conspiracy theories state. Uh, For example, a race of lizard people or reptiles live beneath Earth's surface. And if you're a fan of the British sci-fi series Doctor Who, which I am, they could be very similar to the Silurians. In California, their underground bases are rumored to be about 2,000 feet beneath Los Angeles and Mount Shasta. They are also rumored to have connections and dealings with the military, thus their underground tunnels also reach several military bases, including Vandenberg AFB, and that's in New Jersey. Uh, Their tunnels were rumored to connect to several of the ITT-managed military installations in northern New Jersey. Much of the Lizard People legend comes from a 1933 or 1934 incident involving a mining engineer named G. Warren Schofflaut. In the 30s, Schofflaut began digging a shaft down to the Lizard People subterranean catacombs, supposedly filled with gold and advanced knowledge. Apparently... Solfelt built some sort of radio X-ray device used to detect minerals from which he was able to map out a strange tunnel system below Los Angeles. His findings were further expanded upon by Little Chief Greenleaf of the Hopi Indians. According to Native American legend, the tunnels were built over 5,000 years ago with powerful chemicals. Little Green Little Chief Greenleaf also reported that the lizard people were scientifically advanced compared to us, knew the history of the Earth since its creation, and had discovered ways to predict earthquakes. Greenleaf also reported uh, that he himself could predict earthquakes at least 96 hours in advance. Also, and naturally, the history of the Earth was written down on gold tablets. Ironically, the LA Times reported much of this information on the front page of their newspaper on January 29, 1934. Solfeld shaft was dug about 250 feet down to the earth before the project was somehow canceled and the hole was filled in. The location of the shaft was at 518 Hill Street. Solfeld's project was canceled on March 5, 1934. The original contract stated that Solfeld and his people were to look for buried treasure assume all costs, leave the site the way they found it, and pay the city 50% of any treasure they found. No treasure was ever turned over to the city. Selfelt's radio X-ray device worked on the principle that all matter had its own unique radio frequency and that by turning it into that frequency, more of the same matter could be found. For example, take, say, some gold, place it in this device and it should allow the user to point to more gold also take a hair from a subject and the device should point 
to the original subject. Saulfelt was using this device when he discovered the caves. The caves of the lizard people apparently go from Los Angeles to Pasadena with other tunnels branching off, presumably to other lizard people cities. It is interesting to note that Saulfelt's wonderful invention has never been mass-produced despite all the practical uses of such a device. It is also interesting to note that Greenleaf's method of detecting earthquakes has also not seen widespread use either. Tales of lizard people have also been associated with Mount Shasta. However, it should be noted that Mount Shasta has been identified as the dwelling place for literally everything from aliens to Bigfoot to Atlanteans and so on. In 1958, a sighting of a reptilian creature occurred over the riverside by a man named Charles Wetzel. Was it one of the lizard people, by chance? Fantastic. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go talk stream live introduces our first ever iphone application the talk shows you follow now follow you and your iphone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the internet listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day seven days a week mobile talk radio from talk stream live now available in the itunes app store that's terrific. Hey, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me again after that much-needed commercial break. Exorcists are suffering burnout as number of possessed people are on the rise. It's a rare worker who doesn't complain about burnout, but most people don't often lump Catholic priests into the category of workers. However, one group of priests claim they are suffering from having too many customers and not enough support from their boss. No, not that boss. The bishops and Catholic dioceses around the world, who these priests say don't give them the backing they need to do their jobs as exorcists. At the Regina recent 16th annual exorcism course, course of the exorcism minister and the libertarian prayer, in Rome, the first and most recognized in the world to offer attentive disciplinary research to those who are engaged in this field. The major complaint heard by said researcher Frau was from exorcists attending the training was how overworked they are. As high as that number told to Frau is the total may be higher because most priests must first determine that the person claiming to be possessed or claimed to be by those who brought them in is really under the control of a demon or evil spirit. One of the many things attendees learn in that class is that the warning signs of possession, speaking in Latin, Aramaic, or Hebrew, when they have no prior knowledge of the language, unusual physical strength, and vomiting. Of course, there are many other reasons for vomiting, so the priests also 
trained to determine non-demonic causes of possession-type behavior. That's obviously where the big part of the workload burnout comes from, especially in times when pandemics, war, the economy are giving people their own burnouts that can cause strange behavior, according to another attendee, researcher Louis Samantaria. Del Rio, many times the exorcist must first deal with others have told the person. Many of the potentially possessed people they see in Spain have spent time with New Age spiritual or meditation groups. In addition, misinformation has caused many people infected with COVID-19 to think they are possessed or to believe that an exorcism can remove said disease better than the medication and treatment can. According to interviews of attendees by the Times of London, the priests say their bishops refuse to bring in more exorcists to help with the workload. It's worse in some areas. The survey found that Italy has 290 exorcists and Spain has 37, while the UK and Ireland together have only 28 working exorcists. And Manila in the Philippines has only one exorcism office. A little help is on the way. There were 120 attendees taking the course in May. While it's obvious that many of the people seeking exorcisms really need medical or mental treatment or counseling, the number of actual exorcisms has increased significantly in recent years, and performing them is exhausting by the exorcist and those helping out. One of the causes and cases discussed during the class was a nine-hour exorcism performed in December 2021, in Venezuela, at the Church of St. Mary in Mount Barico, on a 28-year-old woman after she was a, had attacked a priest, hearing her confession. Throw in Pope Francis speaking often about evil and exorcisms, and it's no wonder exorcists are overworked and burned out. There is no one simple solution to their dilemma. The world needs more mental health providers who can diagnose and treat the non-demonic causes of possession, like behavior, and less leaders talking about evil. What does an exorcist see when possessed by the demon of stress? One may never know. Ghosts, aliens, UFOs, Bigfoot, parallel universes, angels and demons, time travel, cryptozoology, and so much more within the realm of the unexplained, the strange, and the out of this world. I'm your host, Neil Parks, award-winning author, screenwriter, researcher, and paranormal professional. Join me every week as I tackle hot-button topics within the paranormal realm. I'll share personal accounts, my research, and second-hand evidence. I will read excerpts and stories from my books and discuss my upcoming projects in the literary world. Documentaries, both on TV and the big screen, plus my independent film projects. Paranormally Speaking is both thought-provoking and entertaining. New episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in to Paranormally Speaking and prepare to be enlightened. Well, I asked for it, and you provided I asked you to send me some of the creepiest tales and things you've encountered while being a long-haul trucker. And of course, this episode's all about the strange and the unusual and the paranormal that truckers have encountered through the years while making those long cross-country hauls, or even tri-state hauls. What's the creepiest, most paranormal thing you have seen on the road? Uh, for example, thank you, Pirate Freddy, for sending me this. It's maybe a bit off the mark, but it still scared the crap out of me, he says. 
I was headed west on I-76 in Denver, just cruising along about 70 miles per hour, when out of nowhere I saw a massive, almost solid cloud of what looked to be like dirt coming at me. I'd say it was at least 20 feet wide and 10 feet tall. I scanned ahead of me, but couldn't see any vehicle that it could be coming from. With nowhere to go, I slowed down and took the hit, hoping there wasn't anything big enough in there to come through the windshield or jack up my truck. It was pretty loud as I smashed through it. The instant it hit, I knew it wasn't dirt. I immediately hit the washers because I couldn't see a damn thing through all of the carnage. My windshield was painted with guts. Turns out it was bees, freaking huge bees that sounded like rocks when they hit. I can't even imagine seeing that swarm if I had been walking. They would definitely kill the crap out of anything in their path if someone were to happen upon them on foot. This person named Valor, 592, says, I was driving near Las Vegas at around 3 a.m. I had been following a few black SUVs along the highway for a good hour or so. They had Nevada plates that were single digits. The numbers were in order, one, two, and three. Suddenly, they all pulled off the highway down a dirt path. There was no mile marker or cactus that would indicate a path was there. It was just a dirt road. After pulling off the road, they all turned their lights off and didn't stick around. I sure the hell didn't either. It was creepy. Now, I did some research, and according to the DMV of Nevada website, special license plates are issued to a number of Nevada law enforcement agencies and government agencies, state elected officials, and the Nevada congressional delegation. Plate 1 belongs to the Nevada governor, 2 belongs to the lieutenant governor, and so on. There was one story shared directly with me a couple of weeks ago. It was from a person who used to do cross-country trucking. He said he was taking a load from Illinois to California and ended up breaking down in Nevada. Problem was his truck overheated after he sat for an extended long period of time in an auto accident that was behind him. He had to pull off from the off-ramp onto a narrow road that was only a two-lane road for the main highway. And as he put it in park, he got out, turned it off, opened the hood of the truck, made a distress call for someone to come and repair his vehicle, help him while he's on the road. And he's checking everything under the hood, making sure that nothing else is wrong, that there's no leaking, nothing more serious than just the truck overheating. And he notices something out of the corner of his eye, which was a bright flashing metallic object on the ground a good mile away from him with a tiny beacon light going off. And it was a huge object, but he couldn't make out what it was. He decided, well, I'm stranded here. I'm waiting for someone to come help me and repair my issue. So he started off on foot walking through the the desert field towards this metallic object. And as he got so close, from behind him, two Jeeps emerged. And in front of him, another Jeep emerged and a helicopter was seen flying directly over him. And the men emerged from the Jeep, guns drawn, explaining to him that he has set foot on government property. It was restricted for him to be there. And if he were to 
take another step, they have the right to shoot him where he stands. So he stopped, complied without question, and they escorted him back to his truck and told him he had to sit in the cab until his help arrived so they could remedy the situation and he could be on his way. He was not allowed to leave the truck until further notice. So he had to sit there and wait, and one of the Jeeps that escorted him back was parked at a distance and continued to sit and watch until his help arrived, remedied his situation with the truck. He was up and running, ready to go, and as he pulled away, the Jeep followed behind him and followed him for another five to ten miles before turning off abruptly into the desert and driving off into the distance. And that was a creepy tale of things that he himself had experienced that I got to hear firsthand from someone who actually lived it. Uh, this is from Coco San. Well, I'm not a trucker, but a motorcyclist, which kind of makes it even more spooky. Drove home from my girlfriend's house, just a 20-minute ride, but it was 3 a.m., and the road goes through a forest without any street lights. So I rode through the forest, already giving everything my little... 50 ccm dirt bike had in it back then and suddenly on the side of the road a freaking naked mannequin is standing i saw it appear in my headlights and drove by it only doing like 60 kilometers an hour it was scary as hell unparalleled insider access get it all introducing the sirius xm platinum vip plan our newest most exclusive plan Listen in two cars, plus stream anywhere with two app logins. Access a massive, exclusive library of live concert video and audio recordings through nugs.net. Have opportunities to experience live and virtual SiriusXM events, including VIP-only exclusives. Get all your questions answered by a dedicated VIP customer care team. Plus, get all the entertainment we've got. It's all included with your Platinum VIP subscription. Be a VIP. Call 844-711-8800 to learn more. Offer detail supply. One login for activated vehicle. Not available in Canada. Hey, welcome back after that amazing commercial break that we just encountered. This Justin UFO researcher claims to have discovered ancient underground alien structure in Antarctica. The four most common places that aliens use for their bases on or nearby Earth are alleged to be underwater, inside of volcanoes, preferably active ones, on the moon, and the frozen tundra of Antarctica. The reasoning behind these choices is thought to be because they are all places where most human beings will never look. Number two, even if they did, it would be very difficult to do so. One prolific UFO researcher, Scott Waring, has been studying these locations for years and recently made another potentially significant discovery. Waring writes on his website that he was pursuing Google Earth, doing his usual investigations when he came across something strange. He says, I found a buried location of an ancient alien structure, he writes. When I changed the time of the photos on earlier photos revealed, an airport runway freshly made, dozens of trailers, tractors, and it looks like the mound has was being excavated by scientists and military. I believe they found an ancient alien structure under the snow and ice. While scrutinizing this discovery, Waring says he also noticed something else. I also found the face of Jesus near the excavation site, he writes. 
The face is that of a male with long hair, beard, mustache, long face, and a crown of thorns around his head. Not to mention that his eyes, nose, chin, and cheeks all clearly show. These two locations are also close to a standing dark figure that I found last year on the snowy mountains. It's the figure of a huge bipedal being that could only be an alien. It can't be just a coincidence that all these pieces of evidence are so close to one another. I believe they are all related and build on the theory of the ancient aliens that once inhabited Antarctica. Waring also astutely points out Jesus was an alien who came to Earth to instill morals and rules to help a chaotic early human rise to enlightenment. He also added in the comments to the video that was added to this that he may actually be the son of God too. Both could be true. Viewers of the videos that were attached were not told who he believed the face is, but multiple people commented that's Jesus. Waring also, in a reply to commenters, explained the landing strip and trailers are for humans, but clearly they are digging up the hill area and that contains some huge underground structure. That structure, I believe it to be alien. It's U.S. military going after alien tech, he said. Another commenter, who Waring agreed with, wrote, If it was newly made, they would have covered it completely, but the structure might be an alien ship that they couldn't lift up and transport, so they covered it for now. But the wind keeps on covering its tips. If you take a look at the video, he says, for yourself, what's going on down in Antarctica? The title is Three Signs of Ancient Aliens in Antarctica. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. Another message that I'm going to share with you came to me in the form of a text. And it's from uh, someone that's uh, well acquainted with me. And they had a gripe of all things about multi multiculturalism and inclusion and how I'm always going to bat from the minority, but I never do enough for, um, I guess, securing or purifying the white race. I don't know what their angle was, but first of all, I'm not um, white lives matter. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, definitely not for purification of any race. I'm for unification and all of us coming together and not being assholes to each other. Uh, their gripe was, it's starting again. It's a new year. And there you go defending the lunatics who are spewing division and hate and trying to force their agenda on us. For example, at the school I work for, our lunch trays and plastic containers used to be white, and now they are black. And this is a correspondence between this person and I. They just brought this up and started asking me questions about it, what my thoughts were. And I'm like, oh, okay, why? This person says, the only thing I can figure, that it's an effort to be politically correct, to change plastic white lunch trays from white to black is a way to force political correctness. And my mind's racing at this point. I'm like, oh, okay, well, um, 
I asked about the school colors. They said that the school colors are black, white, and orange. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. They used white for a while. Maybe they're using black now. And then later on, say the spring comes around, they'll use orange. I, I have no idea. I, I mean, it's, it's an asinine subject, lunch trays. Somehow there's a political message to it. Uh, so they told me that the, uh, I said perhaps the black is for Halloween. It's Halloween time. Maybe they did it for that reason. They said it has nothing to do with that. The food service coordinator was just as shocked as we all were. I'm like, well, are you sure that the food service coordinator isn't overreacting and looking for problems? And uh, really didn't have anything else to go on after that. Kind of, the conversation kind of went south after that. I'm like... I say to them, if the trays were meant to be designed for political correctness, chances are they would have been a rainbow flag design for LGBTQA+, inclusively. Uh, that way, everyone would be accounted for. Just saying, you know, if anything, they could have gone for pink, since it's currently Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Trays, food trays are a non-issue. Somehow, these people on this side of the aisle, that side of the aisle, the far right, the, I hate to call it the extreme right, they're looking for problems, reasons to complain, reasons to point fingers and say, you're pushing your political correctness onto me. You're pushing your agenda onto me. There's no agenda. It's a freaking plastic food tray. It's what you put food on. It's what goes into a dishwasher when it's dirty. And then you stack it up with other food trays that are all together, that you hand out to the kids. There's no political message to it. It's just the color of a tray. It went from being white to black. The game of chess has white pieces and black pieces. If the black pieces win, or the person using the black pieces win in that match between uh, against the person using the white pieces, does that mean that the person using the black is racist? And that... They're trying to be politically correct by allowing or pushing the black to win and the white lost. Does that mean that the white race is in danger? No. It means the person using the black pieces of the chess is more skilled in the game of chess and won. Not because of the color of the chess piece, but because of their skill. It's a non-issue. It's asinine. Just like plastic food trays. Get a grip, people. There are bigger issues to deal with. And I guarantee you, this is not political. Please hold for an important message from one of my sponsors. Bro, your show is crazy. I don't know if you can hear it, but I'm literally listening right now. Yeah, I'm literally listening to it right now. It's pretty entertaining. A lot of paranormal stuff on there. So I really appreciate it, bro, because that's my kind of thing, man. I love diving into those topics. Um... I don't know if you'll find mine as interesting as I find yours, but I got a podcast too. So here's a promotion. This is the Cruise Control Podcast. My name is Chris Cruz. Thank you again and keep going. The Baikal Lake Humanoids in Russia. Russia's Lake Baikal is said to be the home of a colossal beast. But there are other reports that suggest that this monumental body of water may also harbor a base for extraterrestrial visitors. And there are NASA photos that may prove it. Located in Siberia, 
near the Mongolian border and surrounded by steep mountains and dense forests, nearly 30, 30 million year old Bikau Lake is the largest freshwater body of water in the world, with a reported depth of over 4,911 feet, this colossal lake is credited with holding over 20% of the planet's fresh water and harboring more indigenous species of flora and fauna than any other lake on the face of the earth, including numerous fish species found nowhere else. Bacal is, of course, perfectly suited to harbor a lake monster of immense proportions. And numerous eyewitnesses confirmed that it, it does indeed. But there are photos and observers who insist that the lake hides more than just the Bacal Lake monster. They swear that it conceals creatures that hail from out of this world. According to Vladimir Azkaza, a famed UFOologist and former Soviet naval officer, declassified secret files released by the Russian government indicate that in 1982, seven military divers were training in the depths of Bikal when they spied bizarrely shaped underwater vehicles that moved far faster than any technologically the Soviet Navy was in possession of at that time. A cool side note is the fact that the ships that were used in Star Wars Episode One, that the Gungans used to go in and out of the lake on the planet Naboo, were modeled after what these divers had witnessed. So George Lucas brought these to life on the big screen to show other people what an underwater species, how they would move around, what they would live in, what they would ride around in. It was a close comparison to what these divers saw. As if that weren't strange enough, though, the divers also claimed that they came across a squad of silver suit clad, though clearly non-human, beings at the depth of about 150 feet. These brave and quite possibly foolhardy divers attempted to capture some of these unusual humanoids, resulting in the brutal depth deaths of three of the divers. The four survivors who recounted their harrowing experience were also said to have been severely injured by these visitors. And updated files about this encounter and uh, eyewitness accounts from the Russian Navy, uh, Russian military intelligence, and KGB files that the CIA have in their possession that they have slowly been leaking to the public, like their acknowledgement that UFOs are in fact real and not of our planet, of our world, of any known origin. So these things are slowly coming to light. While Cold War era records from the former Soviet Union are often redacted to the point of incoherence, there have been some recent photos released by NASA that may have confirmed that Lake Bacal conceals some very UFO-like technology. Between April 5th and April 20th, 2009, astronauts aboard the International Space Station photographed two enigmatic circular convection breaks, which appeared to have been created by something rising up from below the ice-covered Lake Bacal. One of the saucer-like cracks was located at the southern end of the lake, while the other 
was miles away in the center of the lake. Both of these has, as yet unexplained circles were approximately three miles in diameter and caused massive ice fractures on the frozen surface of the lake. There are even some researchers who have speculated that the MODIS, Moderate Resolution Image Spectrometer, images released by NASA give a clear indication of a circular or disc-shaped object emerging from the depths of the frigid lake. Could these be the same so-called vehicles seen by the unnamed Soviet divers in 1982? Not surprisingly, Azaksa believes that the underwater bases harboring UFOs or USOs, unidentified submerged objects, are very real. He says, I think about underwater bases and say, why not? Nothing should be discarded. Skepticism is the easiest way. Believe nothing, do nothing. People rarely visit great depths. So it's very important to analyze what they encounter there. In the summer of 2012, a group of amateur adventurers known as the Trans-Eurasian UFO Search Expedition set up various pieces of recording and scientific equipment on the shores of Lake Baikal in hopes of finding evidence of UFOs. Expedition member Vladimir Kuznetsov told a Reuters correspondent about a fascinating UFO case involving the lake in the late 1950s. He says, here in 1958, there was an TU-154 airplane crash. There were some reports from the locals that a UFO pursued the aircraft till it reached Bacal waters right there. And there were frequent reports of UFO activity around Bacal, so this is the reason why we decided to meet here. Perhaps the most intriguing question one must consider regarding the abundant known and unknown life dwelling in our planet's biggest freshwater body is whether or not the famous Bacal Lake monster has anything to do with these potentially extraterrestrial and clearly violent humanoids. Is the monster an intergalactic version of a guard dog used to protect the underwater headquarters of non-Earth beings, or is it simply a case of cryptids and aliens doing their best to coexist in the vast expanse of Bikal? Whatever their answer may be, this ancient and isolated Russian lake must be considered one of the most mysterious regions left on our planet. Please hold for an important word from our sponsor. And that's it for this week. This episode was coming to you from Stowe, Vermont. That's where I am this week and getting much needed relaxation and time to catch up with old friends and family and also reigniting my creative streak and working on my soon-to-be-released novel as well as some other artistic triumphs that I have been trying to tackle for so long. Great time with my wife and kids, and who's, who knows what the rest of the day or tomorrow will bring. Have a great rest of the week. Thank you so much for listening. Join me next week for more Strange and Unusual as we dive into Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks. Have a terrific weekend. Thank you, and God bless. <laughs>
Tu odi, ti danza.